0: We're going to kind of wrap up Romans chapter 3 tonight. Hopefully, it'll be a help to you. It's been a wonderful passage. It has encouraged me. I've really, truthfully, thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. Well, Let's read uh, through this passage again, verse 21 through verse 31. We'll pray. We'll make some application tonight. Father, thank you so. Or I, let me read like I said I was going to do, and then then pray. All right, let's do verse twenty one. The Bible says this, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference; for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish it. Now let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, I'm so grateful for your word and for all that it has taught. And Father, just the amount of truth that is just in a few words. And Father, how it ties so well to the rest of your word. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to study it. May we truly be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And help us, please, Father, to rightly divide it. Help us never to impose our will upon your word, but, Father, that we would gain your will from it. And, Father, I pray that you would give us that tonight. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins, that we might know an eternal home in heaven. Father, we're so grateful, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, whenever you study your Bible, and I I encourage people to study their Bible, but I would encourage you to ask a lot of questions, Okay. Ask a lot of questions. When you're reading your Bible every morning or every evening or whenever you read your Bible, take a look at the text and ask yourself a lot of questions. Why? You might say, why why should I ask a lot of questions? Because you are seeking to understand the truth of the Word of God. You're seeking to understand the truth, and so you're trying to figure out what God is saying through His Word. In John chapter 17 and verse 17, the Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The word of God is the truth, and the truth, guess what, can stand up to any amount of questioning, okay? The truth can stand up to any amount of questioning. The key is to try to figure out the truth. That's the whole goal of this. It's not to make the scripture say what we want it to say. Okay, because sometimes I'll read a verse and I go, oh yeah, I know what that says. And then I'll read the context around it and go, oh no, that's not what that says. Right, so when you ask yourself, is this what this means, and you begin to study your Bible, ask a lot of questions. You're trying to find out not what we want, but find out what God is trying to tell us. That is exactly what we need to do. So tonight, I want to ask five questions which will lead us into two more questions. Okay, so all I have for you tonight are questions. Okay, no answers, just questions. i have lots of answers. But I want you to look at this verse, Romans chapter 3. And actually, let's read verse 25 again. So if you'll look down in your Bible, we read this verse, last week, we studied this verse last week. The Bible says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith, in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God verse 26 to declare i say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus Christ so tonight i want to start here in verse 26 i read verse 25 because we'll be referencing back to that a couple of times well, verse 26 is the verse we're studying, and I want to just draw your attention to this first, these first two words, to declare, okay? So here's your first question. This is really difficult, okay? To declare is simply asking the question, how? You say, what? Hold on. Okay, You might be asking yourself, why in the world is to declare asking the question, how? Because you have to go back to verse 25. You even have to go back to verse 24. You even have to go back to verse 23 and all the way through this passage. And you get down to this point of verse 26. How is God going to do this? Why is he doing all of this? How is he doing it? He's doing it through declaration. To declare. Now, it's important to define terms. Strong's Dictionary defines the word declare as indication. Or, I like this one, an evident token. Evident token or, very simply, proof. To prove, to evidently prove or to give indication of. But I want you to look in your Bible in verse 25 again. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to what? To declare, here it is again, the same exact word, to declare what? His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. So I want you to notice in two verses, God is doing some declaring. God is doing some proving. God is giving some evidence or an evident token, or he's giving some indication of something. So God is making a declaration. Okay, how? He's making a declaration. He is providing proof. He is showing the evident token of his righteousness through Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. He's giving us an evident token of his righteousness through Jesus Christ. It looks like I've lost you all already. Okay? If you're in the habit of waking up, now is the time to do that, Okay? Let's try this again, okay? The declaration, you say, why are these two words so important? Hold on, these two words are important because God is declaring, he's proving something. He's proving his righteousness through somebody. The evident token. He's he's proving it through Jesus Christ, okay? He is showing the evident token of his righteousness through Jesus Christ. Listen. Listen. Don't miss this. Without this declaration, this would remain hidden. Okay? This would remain hidden. Declaration is literally the difference between a secret and I'm going to blow everybody out online, but hey everybody, guess what just happened to me? Okay, I'm Uh, listen, I can love my wife secretly or I can go to Toronto and say, hello everybody, I just want to let everybody know that I love Beth Yeomans. I'm making a declaration. I'm proving this. I'm giving an evident token. And there are all kinds of ways to do that. Okay, maybe just saying I love you ladies is probably not enough for you, right? You want to see it proved in many other ways. Okay, but you want to see proof. You want to see a declaration of love. And Jesus is doing that. Listen, declaration is the difference between a secret and shouting it from the rooftop. I want you to understand this. God literally shouted it from heaven. He declared it from heaven when he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He declared it. He declared it. So this was no longer something that was hidden. This was no longer something that was a mystery. This is now declared. It's an evident token. It's proof. It's no longer hidden. There's so much evidence. Now, have you ever been a part of or had somebody throw you a surprise birthday party? Anybody? Okay. How about maybe maybe you haven't had a surprise birthday party, but a gift? that they, somebody surprised you with. Anybody? Okay, so you, your birthday's coming and you know that there's a few things going on but you're just not sure, right? When the birthday happens or when you finally get that big gift, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what I do. Maybe you don't do this. But what I do is I go back in my mind and I go, oh yeah, that's why she did that. And oh, that's why my best friend asked me to go out because he wanted to get me out of the house in order for my wife to do some things, right? I'm going back and I'm looking at the evidence of the evident token. So listen, Paul is saying Jesus is declaring or, excuse me, God is declaring his righteousness through Jesus Christ. And listen, it was proved, or it was shown, or it was made manifest back in with the prophets and through the law. Awful difficult to see, right? When you are having that surprise birthday party, you're like, I wonder why she did that. Eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Right? But then when that evident token, that proof, is sitting right in front of you, you're going... Okay, now that makes sense, and that makes sense, and that makes sense, and that makes sense. The evidence is overwhelming. You should have picked up on it, but now that that big box from Amazon is right in front of you, all the pieces of the puzzle now come together. When the declaration is made and the token of evidence is before you, it is much easier to see all of the things that led up to it. But while you're in it, it's very difficult to make that decision. I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 3, and look what Paul says here. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says this. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of, here it is, the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been, what, hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So now it's being made known according to the what? Eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God had this all planned. And now he's beginning to declare it. Then you see in verse 12, in whom we have what? Boldness. In whom we have access with confidence by the faith of him. Now this this verse 12 brings me to a whole nother point. A whole nother thought we can now have boldness and access. Boldness and access. The Bible tells us that God also declared the finished work of Jesus Christ when the Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent in twain. The Bible says from top to bottom. Now, I'm a very evidence based type of person. So when I learned this in Bible class when I was in high school, I asked my teacher, How do you know when something is rent or torn from the top to the bottom? And he said, Because the Bible says so. And I said, No, 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 no. I got that. I said, How can you tell? And he said, because the Bible says so, there's really no way other than the Bible says so. The point is, of the matter is, no human being could do it. It was way too thick, and nobody could reach up and just rend it in twain. It was only something that God to do, could do. And guess what he did? He declared, you now have boldness. You can now have access to me. It was a declaration. Just by tearing that temple veil in twain Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51 and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent listen we now have a we have God gave us a declaration now you can come now you have my righteousness through Jesus Christ so how how is god doing it he is declaring it he's shouting it from the rooftops people knew jesus christ they saw him they 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 oh, i mean they fought with him they came rushing to him so that people would uh, heal that he would heal their people at the end of the day he was placed on a cross in a very busy intersection and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so was the Son of Man lifted up. People knew it was a declaration. It's no longer hid. It's a declaration to all. And he's bringing forth that evident token. The question then is, when? That's the second question. You got how. The question is, when? Okay. Notice, oops, I got to go back here. Let's go to a different color at this time okay and this is when terrible handwriting i know don't judge okay the question is when when is he declaring when is he making this known when is he proving this at this time right now i want you to go back to romans chapter 3 and look at verse 21 First two words, but now. It's happening now, guys. It's happening now. It's not something that we have to wait for. God is doing it right now. You say, Pastor Jones, why is this so important? Why is this so important? Listen, because the Jews were always looking forward to the coming Messiah, hey, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, and Paul's saying, hey, guys, he's already done it. It's right now, it's happening now, and you're missing it. It's happening right now. Now that Jesus had already come, they were still, hear me, they were still looking for someone else. Let me illustrate with Matthew chapter 11 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 1 The Bible says this and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities now verse 2 now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ he sent two of his disciples and he said and said unto him art thou he that should come or do we look for another this is John the Baptist asking this question. The Hold on, don't miss this. The forerunner of Jesus Christ. Still looking or thinking he might need to look for another. I, want you, I, I just want you to understand the severity of this. This is no longer the coming Messiah. Jesus has been here. It's not coming. The time is now. The transition has been made. We are no longer, guys, we are no longer under the law. The declaration has been made. The veil of the temple has been rent in twain. The perfect lamb has been slain. How many more rhymes do I get in here? The time is now. The time has come. So this is how, but we also see when. It's right now. The question is then, the third question is, for what? What is God doing? What is He declaring to declare at this time? Here it is, the next one His righteousness. Okay, let's see if I can get this over here. So we got what? What is He declaring? Again, His righteousness. Jump back up to verse 25. Romans chapter 3, and verse 25 whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness. So he set forth Jesus Christ as the propitiation, the mercy seat for our sins, but it's to declare his righteousness. What is God declaring? God is declaring his righteousness. I want you to notice once again, I want you to notice this word right here. It is his righteousness. It is not our righteousness. There is The Bible says in in, uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So there's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do. There is nobody righteous. It is his righteousness. So notice, if there is none righteous, no, not one, then if we are going to be righteous, we have to get it from somewhere else. Don't miss this. There's only one source of righteousness. Don't miss this. There's only one source of righteousness, and that is God. God is the only source of righteousness. We have to get it from him. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We read these verses last week. My little children, these things write I unto you. Why? That ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Don't miss it, because listen, we can't gain righteousness on our own. The whole world can't gain righteousness on our own. We need the mercy seat of Jesus Christ. We need the propitiation of Jesus Christ. We need his blood. He is the righteous one. It is his righteousness. Again, I love this. He's not just paying the debt of our sins, but he's also adding on top of that his righteousness. So he paid the debt and then gave us something so incredibly massive that we should never even deserve the righteousness of God. Okay, so we've seen how, we've seen when, we've now seen what. The next question is this. Why? Why? Anybody else like to ask that question? As as parents, when our kids ask that question, what do we do? Most of us don't get excited, do we? Most of us get frustrated. Just do what I told you to do. Don't ask why. But listen, ask why in the Bible. Ask why. All right, that, here it is, that he might be just and the justifier of him. We're going to stop there. Here's that keyword that. Okay, this is when you start asking yourself why. Okay, that he might be the justifier. So let's slide this one over here. Okay, so he's declaring when at this time what his righteousness for what purpose, that he might be just and the justifier of him. Now, does anybody... Does this raise any more questions for anybody else? I want you to notice, he and just. Is is anybody confused by all of this yet? There's a lot of colors on here. Okay, so he is just. Who's he in this passage? It's God. Okay, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just. Is God just? God is just. So why does he have to prove it? Why does God have to prove that? What does this part of the verse mean? Why is he declaring at this time his righteousness so that he might be just? Interesting question. Why would God have to declare his righteousness in order to be just? Let's go to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 and verse 1. We believe God is a just God, but is there proof? Titus chapter 1, 1 and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. I know we don't go to Titus very often. Titus chapter 1 and verse 1 the Bible says this Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God notice this that cannot lie notice what notice what this is promised before the world began What did he promise before the world began? Eternal life. Oh, boy. Okay, so God cannot lie. Can't do it. And he promised before the world began that we would have an opportunity at eternal life. Okay? Let's hopefully open this up. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. In verse 10, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10, the Bible says this, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to it shall, I want you to notice this word, the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So God's saying, there's some, something coming down the line that not only the Jews, but the Gentiles are going to seek. Hmm. Go to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. The Bible says this. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end. Of the earth, I want you to notice he references Israel and the Gentiles in this verse. There's a light coming for Israel and the Gentiles. Now I want you to go to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two. Anybody want to know what Luke chapter two is famous for? What's that? The birth of Christ. We refer to it as the Christmas story. Luke chapter two. Jump all the way down to verse 29. Luke chapter two and verse 29. The Bible says this. this. is by the way, this is speaking of Simeon. you can see that in verse 25, but verse 29 says, "Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation." which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Watch this, verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Powerful. So I want you to see, before Jesus came, there was a promise of light to the Gentiles. There was a promise that a a stem of Jesse was coming And that the Gentiles would seek after him. I want you to understand this. All the way through usually uh, uh, history of the Old Testament, you see God's dealing with the Jews. The Jews were God's people. And so they're looking for their Savior, their Messiah, their, their, their atonement, the person who's going to help them, to deliver them from the Roman rule or from any rule and set up the kingdom, the Jewish Israelite kingdom. They're prepared for that. They're excited about that. They are them. That's just, they don't care about anybody else. It's us and only us. And Now we forget that God made a promise before the world began that a light would lighten the Gentiles, that salvation would come to all That Gentiles would seek after him. The key point to all of this is that God promised something. And again, I want to draw your attention to he is just. Write it down. When God promises something, he will deliver. This is proof. This is declaration. This is, hey, guys, I promised this from so long ago, and now it's coming to fruition. When God promises something, he will always be true to his promise. When God promises something, he will always, always, always be true to his promise. So this is declared at this time, his righteousness. Why? That he might be just. He promised it. He promised it before the world began, and now here in this moment, here in the book of Romans chapter three, God declares that he stayed true to his promise. Notice, he's not that just he could be just, but he's the justifier as well. By the way, you can't be a justifier unless you're just. Don't miss that. You can't be a justifier unless, Unless you are just. This is just proof again. He is the God of all. By the way, he is the God and the justifier of anyone. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 29. Romans chapter 3 and verse 29. Hopefully all this wraps up together for you in your mind. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith listen God's not just the God of the Jews God's the God of all Gentiles give me just a second brother Neil listen this is important God is not just the God of North America I don't know if you've grown up this way, but I've, got, I've grown up in the way that I kind of get the thought process that North Americans are God's people. Man, we're so blessed because we've got God, and we're so blessed, and we've got God, and we're so blessed. and The reality is we are so blessed, but for so, so much, we don't have God. We think that we've got God's hand on it. Listen, that's beginning to get to a point where God's hand is being removed from us. So listen, God is not just the God of North America. God is the God of the Middle East. God is the God of, the, of, of Asia. God is the God of Europe right now. We don't have a corner on the market on God. God is the justifier of him Everyone has the opportunity to access and have the righteousness of God and be justified of Him. John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter where you're from, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then we get all the way down to the end of this verse We've seen the how, we've seen the when, we've seen the what, we've seen the why, we still have one question. And I've alluded to it already. It's very simply, which believeth in Jesus, it's who. Who gets access to all this? Who is this for? It's those who believe in Jesus. And as John chapter three and verse 16 phrases it, whosoever. You can put your name in there. You can put your name in there, and you are a whosoever. Whosoever, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done. The invitation is for anyone who believes in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. In the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've sinned before. It doesn't matter if you were a thief. It doesn't matter if you were a murderer. It doesn't matter if you were homosexual. It doesn't matter if you have had an abortion. It doesn't matter if you've had premarital sex. or if you, It doesn't matter if you've robbed a bank. It doesn't matter if you've done drugs or alcohol. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, you can have His righteousness. You can be justified And given righteousness. You can have it. The only prerequisite is belief in Jesus Christ. The only prerequisite is belief in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 28 of Romans chapter 3. Therefore, because of all that's been said so far, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law by faith you don't need to work for it you don't need to try hard it's just by faith believing in jesus i want to reference the thief on the cross we often forget about the thief on the cross, but we think, oh man, you have to do all this good stuff, right? You have to get baptized. You, you have to uh, uh, do your catechisms and you have to pay enough money. Listen, the thief on the cross did nothing but believe in Jesus Christ. And guess what Jesus said to him? Today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Listen, you have to do nothing. The only prerequisite is belief in Jesus Christ. We're going to finish with verse 27. The Bible just simply says, Where is boasting then? <laughs> I love it. Like, you can do nothing. You are a wretched, wicked, vile person, and you need the righteousness of God to be justified upon on top of you. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. By what law of, wor- of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. By the law of faith. With all of this, everything that's been said so far, there is no room for boasting. There is no room for boasting. There is nothing that you or I or anyone could ever do. I love this word, boasting is excluded. Excluded. This simply means... It is not welcome. <laughs> okay, so I want you to picture somebody's coming to your house and that one person shows up. You know who I'm talking about, right? That person that you don't want anywhere near you. And so what do you do? You actually exclude them, you push them aside. You say, no, 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 you are not welcome here. Listen, boasting is excluded. You are not welcome here. You can try to get in, but you will be put, you will be forcibly removed. Listen, the same is true in our life. If we think that we have something good to offer, guess what's going to happen? We are going to be forcibly removed. The Bible says that the angels cast into the lake of fire. Listen, if you try to get to heaven on your own works, you will be forcibly removed. You are not welcome the only righteousness to be gained in this world is the righteousness of Jesus Christ there is no works involved by what law of works no it is only by faith believing in Jesus Christ this one or two simple verses explain a lot. There's so much here. It explains salvation. It explains justification. It explains sanctification. And it even gets into eternal security all in one verse. Really, maybe two verses. We've often, Pastor Holland asked me this question years ago if there was one passage that you could take somebody to and walk them through verse by verse what it means to be saved and how to get saved, where would you go? I think I have an answer to that question now. Romans chapter 3. Because it just so clearly lays this out. I share all of these things with you tonight for two reasons. I don't know who's here. I think most everybody here knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But maybe there's somebody that's listening to this online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You have not believed in Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross for you. The Bible says then you are not justified. You still have to pay for your sins. You cannot go to heaven. You will be forcibly removed. But we would love to help you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So if you sit here tonight and you don't know that, we'd love for you to know that. That's the first reason I share all this. But the second reason I share this with you tonight is to excite you. I don't, maybe this has been a drag for you, but I hope it's exciting. It's to excite you about what God has truly done in your life. That at this moment in time, where you are right now, The declaration of God has come unto you at this time, and he's declared his righteousness so that he might fulfill the promise that he promised thousands of years ago that he might justify this dirty old rotten sinner. It excites me, and I'm so thankful for that. This passage of Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 31 is an incredible passage on the rescuing, the rescuing work of God through Jesus Christ. I hope it excites you. We're gonna just jump down into verse 31 and then move right into chapter four next week. I hope you'll continue to uh, uh, learn from this and you'll continue to keep Jesus Christ in view. I believe when Jesus Christ is the center of our attention, our lives will be different. And so I hope this passage has done that for you. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed tonight. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much that you didn't keep Jesus Christ hidden anymore. You declared him. You brought proof, an evident token. Father, even further, you left the Holy Spirit as the earnest. Another great word. What a powerful What an awesome, what a loving God you are. Father, thank you for your righteousness. Thank you that even in my sin, you commended your love toward me and that Jesus still died for this old, dirty, rotten sinner. Thank you. I pray that these in front of me today and that are listening online, Father, would be exactly the same thankful what you've done for them. And Father, that we would live that out in our lives each and every day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. I pray that you'd help us as we go forth from here. And Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.